And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I serve a God that has the power to overwhelm me. Not like the world overwhelms me, but like in a good way that he can just overwhelm my soul. Couldn't ask him to sing a better song because today while I was in my room just studying and spending some time with God and listening to some praise and worship and reading the Word of God, I just felt the presence of the Lord come into my room and I was overwhelmed just by the fact that God Almighty would decide to come and descend in my room and have a little visitation with little old me. But that's the kind of God we serve, amen? It doesn't matter whether you're driving down the street. It doesn't matter if you're in your bedroom, coffee room, work room. You can become overwhelmed by the presence of God, amen? So I just pray that He overwhelms you tonight with the power of His presence, amen? It's so good to see you in God's house. It's so good to see you coming to receive from the Lord tonight, not from Pastor Jeff, but you've come to receive from the Lord. Amen. The title of my message this evening is the same title of a series that I'm going to be starting this evening, and it's entitled Teach Us to Pray. It's a lesson on the Lord's Prayer, and it's not really just about the Lord's Prayer. It is a lesson in prayer. And I'm bringing this series because, as you know, our vision that we've been promoting is South Metro Ministry exists to help others find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. And in the bottom of my heart, I feel like one of the greatest ways that we can grow is in our spiritual discipline of prayer. I believe that if we could just fully develop and understand the power of prayer, it would change our lives completely. So I'm not going to go in order like I'm going to talk about love and I'm going to talk about growth and I'm going to talk about purpose. I'm just going to, as the Holy Spirit leads me, take us through that vision. And I'm going to start with the series on this, Prayer, Teach Us to Pray. Tonight's just going to be an introduction. I'm not even going to get to the body of text. Uh, I don't know how long the series is going to go, but as long as the Holy Spirit has me on it, that's where we're going to go. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 6. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 11 where uh, these lessons on prayer are being taught. But uh, I'm just going to highlight tonight and introduce us uh, to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, But before we go there, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Amen. And just ask that God be with us. Father God, we just thank you that you're in this place, God, and that it is your desire every moment to just overwhelm us with the power of your presence. And God, help us to understand that there's no greater way or or way I feel that we can be overwhelmed than, than if we would just take a moment to devote ourselves to prayer, to come into your presence and to just have communion with you. And God, when we allow that to happen, you come in and you, you dine with us and you sup with us and you fellowship with us and we become overwhelmed by the power of your presence. So God, I thank you that you're here in this house tonight. I thank you that you have a word for us. I thank you that there's something you want to teach us. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to receive everything that you have for us tonight. As always, God, I confess my need for you, for the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit to rest upon me. 
I pray, God, that you would just arrest my mind and my heart and my mouth, my lips. I pray that every word would come under the, the authority of your Holy Spirit, God, that this wouldn't be a wasted time, but this would be a productive and fruitful time together. We bind every hindering spirit, Father God, every distracting spirit, everything that would try to raise itself above the knowledge of God tonight, God. Help us to be obedient in receiving your word with gladness. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Like I said, the title is Teach Us to Pray. How many of you ever asked to be taught something? Teach me this or teach me that. When we were kids, it was maybe teach me how to throw the football or teach me how to throw the baseball. Can you teach me that trick? Can you teach me that move? Can you teach me how to cook or teach me how to sew or teach me how to dance or teach me how to drive? I know that's one that all of us wanted to learn. Teach me how to drive. Teach me something that I don't know how to do or teach me how to do it better. As we get older and gray, it might be things like, can you teach me this technology or how to use this stupid thing? Because I just can't figure it out. All through life, we find ourselves and others wanting to be taught something. And that's a good thing, church. I ask my daughter almost every day, what did you learn today that you didn't know yesterday? doesn't matter what it is, whether it had to do with school or some fact or some silly little thing, because I want her to understand that it's a good thing to always be learning, that every day we have an opportunity to learn something new and to be taught something new, and we always have to be open to that, church. In Scripture, even, we find men and women asking to be taught something as well. Job said, "'Teach me to hold my tongue, O Lord.'" He said, teach me and I will be quiet. Teach me what I cannot see. Teach me good discernment. Teach me, teach me, teach me. On numerous occasions and more than anyone else in Scripture, you should know, David asked to be taught as well. Teach me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Teach me thy statutes. Teach me the truth that I might follow in it. Teach me, teach me, teach me. I believe it's why David was considered a man after God's own heart, because David had this constant desire to understand and learn something new about the heart and the mind of God. And in the same way, I believe we should always be striving to be taught something as well. Amen? Especially when it comes to our spiritual man. In Hosea 4, 6, God himself said, My people suffer due to a lack of knowledge. They suffer due to a lack of spiritual understanding. Because the reality is if we stop learning, we stop growing. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And if we stop growing, we suffer We should always be striving to be taught something, always striving to learn something new. Scripture tells us that the wise man seeks wisdom and understanding. The wise man seeks to gain knowledge, but the fool thinks there's nothing more to be learned. How many of you know some people like that? They think there's nothing more to be learned. 
Even in the house of God, it's filled with individuals. They think they know all of that. And there's nothing that they can be taught. And the Word of God calls them a fool. The fool never seeks to be taught. But the wise man seeks knowledge and seeks to gain understanding. How many of you know there's still much to be learned Much to be learned about life, much to be learned about parenting, much to be learned about marriage, much to be learned about friendship, much to be learned, church, especially when it comes where it's concerning the things of God. The Word of God is filled with mysteries. It's, it's, it's got hidden truths all in it, and we should strive to learn something new about the Word of God and concerning God every single day. Amen? If you look in Luke chapter 11... We discover one of the disciples, and here's where I kind of begin my introduction to where we're going. Luke chapter 11, we discover one of the disciples asking Jesus to teach them something pertaining to their spiritual growth as well. This disciple wanted to learn how to do something better than he was doing it at that moment. How to do something more effectively than he was doing it at that moment. He wanted to learn something from the expert, Jesus Christ. How many of you know there's no better teacher than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost when it comes to all things spiritual? I'm limited in my knowledge. Pastor's limited in his knowledge. Your friends and all of those in the house of God, they're limited in their knowledge. And if you want to gain deeper understanding and true knowledge, there's no better teacher than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Every time you go into the Word of God, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to teach you something. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to allow these words to become truth and revelation. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to open up your mind and open up up your spirit to receive the truth and the knowledge that he wants you. Otherwise, they'll just be empty words. We need to seek to be enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit, the teacher of the Holy Spirit. And it's exactly what this disciple did. He asked to be taught. If any man lack wisdom, the Bible says, let him ask. And this is exactly what this disciple that we're going to learn about asked. He, he asked to be taught by the great teacher. It says in verse 1 that Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had ceased or finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Not like the Pharisees pray, not like the spiritual or religious leaders prayed. Teach us to pray like Jesus. Teach us to pray like you. Teach us to pray like John the Baptist, you can read on, taught his disciples to pray, which was genuinely and effectively. It was fervently and faithfully. How many of you want your prayers to be effective? Then the reality is we too have to learn from this lesson and we too have to have the desire like this disciple to pray better than I pray today. I'm not a prayer expert, and neither are you. There's things we can learn better about prayer, amen? Because if you think you know all there is to, to know about prayer, ah, I feel sorry for you because you're missing out. There's always greater power and always greater understanding. And that's why I want to bring this series to you. What we have to realize is that it's not like this disciple never prayed before. It's not like he never called on God before. It's not like he never went into a prayer closet before. It's just that when Jesus prayed, it sounded different. 
When Jesus prayed, it looked different, church. When Jesus prayed, it didn't look the same and sound the same as when the Pharisees prayed or the the religious leaders prayed. Because what we have to understand and remember is that the Pharisees that they heard pray every day on a regular basis, they prayed pridefully and they prayed piously and they prayed publicly in order to be seen by men and heard by men. They would put on their nice white robes and adorn themselves in costly jewels and they would stand out in front of the temple and they would, they would pridefully begin to pray. For everyone to see and everyone to recognize how important they were and how spiritual they were. Their prayers were filled with pride. Their prayers really weren't directed towards God. You know the story about the the Pharisee and the, the tax collector, the publican, who went into the temple to pray one day, the Bible says. And what did the Pharisee do? All dressed in white and, and expensive attire and all of his jewels with washed hands and clean and covered in his oil and sweet fragrance. He stood out there in the front of the temple and he lifted up his hands and lifted up his voice for everyone to hear. Oh, dear God, I thank you that I am not like these others. I thank you that I'm not like the adulterers. I thank you I'm not like these robbers and these thieves. I thank you that I'm not like these evildoers. I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector standing right back there. I fast twice a week, oh God, and he's letting everybody know. I give a tenth of all of my earnings and a tenth of all of my wages. I wash my hands. I keep the law. Prideful prayer. And then we have the public and the tax collector who didn't even want to be seen by men or heard by men. And he found a place of humility and he bowed his knees and he couldn't even look up, the Bible says. And he said, have mercy on me, O God. I'm a sinner. And the Bible makes it clear that only one of them went away justified, church. And this is one of the reasons why this disciple asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. Because when they watched Jesus pray, it was different than when the Pharisees prayed. When they listened to Jesus pray, it was different than the Pharisees prayed. This disciple understood that when Jesus prayed, he connected to heaven. When Jesus prayed, he had a conversation with the Father. When Jesus prayed, it was full of humility. When Jesus prayed, he knew that heaven heard him. And something always happened when Jesus prayed. Go through Scripture. Every time Jesus prayed, something happened. That's exactly why this disciple said, Lord, teach us to pray. He wanted to pray like Christ. He wanted to touch God in the process, church. You ever listen to some of those prayers where when you're listening to it and that person's done praying, you knew that they touched God? You knew that the heavens opened and you knew that God heard those prayers and you knew that God was going to respond. This is what this disciple wanted because he knew that every time Jesus prayed, the heavens opened and and the prayers reached higher than the Pharisees. And so he said, Jesus... Teacher, Lord, teach us to pray. Pray like you pray, effectively, fervently. 
Before I I continue, I want you to think about that for just a moment. Here you have a disciple or a group of disciples that had quite possibly and most likely seen water turned into wine. They had seen people with a variety of illnesses healed. They had seen the feeding of the 5,000, the calming of the storm, quite possibly seen Jesus and Peter very briefly walking on water. They saw Jesus pray and the, the lame walk and the mute speak and the dead come back to life. And my thought was this, if I had a front row seat or you had a front row seat to all of these miracles, if you had witnessed all of these events firsthand, if you had access to the teacher above all teachers, what would you ask him to teach you? What above all things would you want to learn? What words of wisdom would you have him impart into your life? And the truth is I could think of a hundred or a thousand different things that we might ask or be taught by the teacher. But this disciple asked, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? What makes this more amazing to me and so important to me is that this is the only thing recorded in Scripture that the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them. The Word of God is filled with individuals asking, like I read, to be taught something. But this is the only recorded occasion where one of his personal disciples asked to be taught something. And they asked, teach us to pray. David asked, and Moses asked, and Job asked, and other of the prophets asked to be taught by God. But no other place in Scripture do we find the disciples asking Jesus to teach them. They never asked, teach me to preach. They never asked, Jesus, can you teach me to teach? They never asked me, Jesus, can you teach me to walk on water? Can you teach me to do miracles? Can you teach me to... Open up the heavens. Can you teach me to sing? Can you, never, never in Scripture, in, in the Gospels, do you find a disciple asking Jesus to teach them something. Yes, I know they all wanted to learn. But this is the only thing, and it's important that we understand this, this is the only thing recorded in the Gospel that a disciple asked to be taught. And I believe, church, with all of my heart, that it's because God wants us to know that it all begins with prayer. It all begins with prayer. Miracles begin with prayer. Victory begins with prayer. Healing begins with prayer. Restoration begins with prayer. Forgiveness begins with prayer. I can go on and on. Redemption begins with prayer. Anything that you desire to receive from God or experience with God, through God or in God, it all begins with prayer. If you ask God to teach you anything, you need to teach Him or ask Him to teach you how to pray. You need to ask Him to teach you more and more about the spiritual discipline of prayer because everything we need to receive from God at all begins with prayer. all begins with prayer, church. In a book titled Love to Pray, Alvin Vandergrind writes this, Prayer can do what political action can't do, what education can't do. What military might can't do, and what planning committees can't do. All these efforts are impotent by comparison, so Lord, 
teach us to pray. Because he understood that all of it begins with prayer. Please understand, political rallies have nothing on prayer. Planning committees have nothing on prayer. Militaries of men have nothing on prayer. The polluted school system that thinks they're educating our kids have nothing on prayer. All of them are impotent when compared to the power of prayer. So our cry should be just like the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. And God gave them a pattern of prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. He gave us that pattern as well. It's a pattern, church. It's what we're going to look at in the coming weeks. It's what I'm going to introduce us to this evening. I know I preached on it a couple weeks ago, but I need to remind you that God said, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, because it all begins with prayer. He said, if my people would humble themselves and pray, then I would hear from heaven. And then I will heal their land. And one of the main reasons our land is in the mess that it's in is because God's people aren't praying. One of the reasons that we're experiencing so many of the things we're experiencing in our society is because His people aren't praying. We love to blame Hollywood, and we love to blame Wall Street, and we love to blame Washington, and we love to blame all the other forces and influences of this world. And we love to say, that's why we're in the mess that we're in. But let me share with you the truth. The reason we are in the mess that we are in is because God's people who are called by His name are not praying. They are not finding that place of prayer where heaven can be moved, where heaven can move and hell can be moved as well. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, it's one of the most important spiritual disciplines we can develop in our lives. It's the spiritual discipline of prayer because something happens when we pray. Amen, church? Something happens when we step through that veil into the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and begin to pray. Something happens when we take advantage of what Jesus Christ did for us. Why do you think Jesus died? Certainly it was to forgive us of our sins, but it was to redeem us. It was to renew us. And when he died, and I'll talk about it in just a second, the veil of the temple was rent in two, giving us access to God. Jesus Christ died the way he did in order to give us access to God. And when we learn what that passage means, that if my people who are called by my name would come boldly, into my throne room of grace and begin to pray to the king and and begin to pour out their, their requests before the king of kings and the Lord of lords, something happens. If you want the kingdom, please understand this. If you want the kingdom to come, if you want the kingdom, the power of the kingdom and the influence of the kingdom and the blessings of the kingdom to be available to you here on this earth, you've got to come before the king. You have to find this place of prayer where you can come before the king with a humble heart and share your request. That's, that's what happens when we find a place of prayer. We're coming before the king. 
And we're asking for His kingdom or the the power of His kingdom to do something in our life. I hope you understand that, that there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And when you go to prayer, you're calling on the kingdom of light to overtake and overcome the kingdom of darkness. But again, why do you think the kingdom of darkness is ruling in our schools? Why do you think the kingdom of darkness is ruling in our government? Why do you think the kingdom of darkness, get this, is ruling in our homes? Why do you think it's ruling in our marriages? Why do you think it's ruling over our kids? Why do you think it's ruling over our finances? Because we are not humbling ourselves and praying. Most of the marriages... 90% of all of the marriages that that come to Pete or me or the pastor that are in the midst of all sorts of difficulties, one of the main reasons they're in their difficulties is when you ask them, are you praying over your marriage? The answer is no. Or how often do you pray over... uh, uh, And they can't even remember the last time they've prayed. They wonder why their kids are in a mess. Wonder why their kids are all over the place. And the question is, when's the last time you laid hands on your kid and prayed? When's the last time you took your spouse by the hand and prayed? When's the last time that you took your paycheck or you you took your checkbook and you, you began to pray over your finances? When's the last time in all of these areas that we began to pray? When's the last time you prayed about the condition of our schools? When's the last time you prayed over the condition of our government and our president and our nation? You see, unless we call on the kingdom of light through prayer to come and defeat the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness rules and reigns, church. But if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I would hear from heaven and I'd forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. It all begins with pray. Something happens when we stop fretting and start praying. The Bible tells me that fretting doesn't add an ounce or a cubit span to my life. Fretting and worrying and panic actually takes away. You know that? Medically, it's a fact that fretting, worrying, and panic, it takes away from your life. Be anxious for nothing, the Bible says. But with all what prayer and supplication before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, along with your thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God will rule and reign in your life, and He will add a cubit or two to your life. Fret about nothing. Fretting doesn't cause the the enemy to fear. Fretting and worrying and grumbling, complaining, that does nothing to defeat the enemy. You know what it does? It fuels them. If you want to defeat the enemy, we have to pray. Something happens when we stop fretting and start praying. Something happens when we go into that prayer closet and close the door and take the Word of God and invite the Holy Spirit into our midst. Something happens when we pray. When David prayed, you know it as well as I do, the enemy was scattered on numerous occasions. When David prayed, the plans of the enemy were foiled time and time again because something happens when we pray. When Isaiah Isaiah prayed, he saw the Lord, the Bible tells us. Listen, you want to see the Lord? Pray. 
You want to see His goodness? You want to see His glory? You want to see the Lord like you've never seen Him before? Go into the prayer closet and pray and invite the Holy Spirit and the glory of the Lord into your presence. You want to see things you've never seen before? You want to be seated in heavenly places? Pray! The Bible says, when Moses prayed, a sea was split in two. Talk about a miracle. Talk about the power of prayer, church. You need something to be separated? Pray. You need to drive back the waters and drive back the rivers? Pray. You need a mountain to be moved? Pray. You need rain in your life? Pray. You need the rain to stop? Pray. When Daniel prayed, God shut the mouths of the lion. Shut the mouths of the devourer. Some of you have got the devourer coming after you every single day. And you, you, he, the only thing you've got to do to shut his mouth is pray. Pray. It all starts with prayer. When Elijah prayed, the rain stopped. When Elijah prayed again, it started raining. Talk about the power of prayer. When Joshua prayed, stop the sun from moving so that victory could come to his people. This isn't make-believe. Oh, that's just prayer. That's the way we... Oh, that's just prayer. You want to know what the truth is? That the power of prayer can stop the sun. The power of prayer can split a sea. The power of prayer can move a mountain. The power of prayer can slay a giant. The power of prayer can can mend a marriage that seems impossible to be fixed. The power of prayer, church. When, when Joshua prayed, like I said, he stopped the sun. When Esther prayed, it helped save a nation. When Hannah prayed, her barren womb brought forth the sun. When Jesus prayed, the heavens opened. When Jesus prayed, the lame walked. Blinded eyes saw. Lepers were healed. The deaf were able to hear. And the dead were raised up from the grave. When Jesus prayed, five loaves and two fishes, enough to fill a little boy's sack, became enough to feed 5,000 people and more. You have lack in your life? Pray. If the devourer is eating your lunch, pray. If the devourer is eating your marriage, pray. If you need some abundance in your life, pray. You understanding what I'm saying, church? Pray. Pray, pray, pray. What it starts in Matthew 27, 50 to 52. Tells us that when Jesus was hanging on Calvary's cross, that he opened up his mouth and he cried out to the Father with a loud voice in prayer. And at that very moment, the Bible says, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised because something happened when Jesus prayed. I know that we always tie that to his death. In the moment that he offered up his spear, but in the midst of that, he was praying to the Father. And the Bible says, as he cried aloud, and at that moment, the earth began to shake. At that moment, the rocks split in two. At that moment, when he was crying out to the Father, the the veil of the temple was ripped in two. And at that moment, dead people came up from the grave. 
Because when Jesus prayed, when Jesus cried out to the Father, when Jesus opened up his mouth and directed his prayers towards heaven, something happened, church. And it's exactly why this disciple said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Because when Jesus prayed, something happened, church. Something happened in heaven and on earth when Jesus cried out to the Father in prayer. And the reality is when we too humble ourselves in prayer, when we too call on the Father, something happens in the heavens and something happens on the earth as well. Listen, if you want to move hell out of your way and heaven on your behalf, find a place and pray. If you want to move depression out of your way, which comes from hell... If you want to move depression, find a place and pray. If you want to move fear, find a place and pray. When you find yourself in the middle of what we'll call a panic attack or a fear attack, you find yourself being overtaken by the spirit of darkness, which is fear. The Bible tells me that you need to find a place and pray. That you need to call on the kingdom of light to come down and defeat the kingdom of darkness. Pray. If you want to move lack out of your way, pray. If you want to move, church, anything out of your way, anger or lust or all of those things that would try to defeat us, the Bible tells us pray. James 5.13 says, If any among you are troubled, if any among you are burdened, if any among you are bothered, If any among you are experiencing difficulties in your life, then pray. That's the answer. I know it seems real too simple for us. But if any among you are troubled, the Bible says, let them pray. Let them pray. Let them pray. You see, what Jesus is trying to teach us is that prayer is our responsibility. We're real quick. Please grasp this and understand what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to not call the pastor. I'm not telling you to not call Pastor Darrell or not call Brother Sammy, who's our prayer director. I'm not telling you to not call the prayer team or to come up here for prayer. I'm not telling you that. But what I am telling you is that there are some times in your life when there's no one to call out to except God. There's some times in your life where it's, it's going to take, amen, it's going to take more than pastor's prayer or Daryl's prayer or Sammy's prayer. There's some times in your life where you alone are going to have to find a place where you humble yourself and you pray so that you can have victory in your life. If any among you are, are troubled, let them pray. You see what... what the Bible is teaching us here what James is teaching us here. And any time these, these authors write, they're writing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God is speaking. And what God is teaching them as spiritual leaders, that if, if there's any among you, if there's any among you that are troubled, churches are filled with troubled people, church. They're filled with people suffering heartache and headache, troubled. And what God is teaching spiritual leaders is to teach them to pray. If there's any among you, James, if there's any among you church leaders who are troubled, let those troubled people learn to pray. 
You see, what we have to understand is that this is part of a spiritual growth process. If all you ever do is call the pastor to pray, you're never going to grow in your spiritual discipline of prayer. If all you ever do is come up here and ask for us to pray, you're never going to grow. You want to know why the same people come up here time and time and time again for the same exact prayer from the prayer team? It's because those people most likely have not found a place of prayer on their own. They have not developed the discipline of prayer. They have not gone into the throne room of grace boldly with this understanding that they can call on the kingdom of light to overtake the darkness in their life. I'm not saying don't come up here. What I am saying is that if you're experiencing trouble and difficulty in your life, the answer is prayer. And our heart should be, teach us to pray, God. Teach us to pray, Holy Spirit. Teach us to pray, If you want to move all of those things out of your way, you have to pray. If you want joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, you know what the answer is? Pray. Well, I don't got no joy. My joy is not full. I got nothing to speak about my joy. It's unspeakable, all right. If you want joy that's unspeakable, full of glory, overflowing no matter what difficulty you find. This is what he's talking about. If you want a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what difficulty you might be be, be experiencing in your life, no matter what season you're in in your life, there's this joy that's just flowing out of your life, church. You know where it comes from? Prayer. Communion with the Father. Communion with the King. Communion with the one that we sang about that just overwhelms your soul. If you want peace that passes all understanding, then what? Pray. You have not because you ask not in prayer. God, I need peace. God, I need peace. Oh, I need peace. That's not prayer. If you want peace that passes all understanding, then you understand. And now's the time to come into the presence of the King boldly through the work of Jesus Christ. And just say, God, I need that peace. I need that peace that passes all understanding. And you begin to pour your heart out. You begin to tell God, the burden that you're bearing, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Jesus said, and you begin to do that in the presence of the King. And you watch this peace come into your life. If you want wisdom and insight and revelation, then what? Pray. What did I say early? If anyone lacks wisdom... Let them ask. Let them pray. God, where do I go with this? God, how should I handle this? What's my next step, God? Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all of your ways, and guess what? He will direct your paths. You know where you acknowledge Him? In prayer. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us, and it's just the foundation for where I'm going. I don't want to be sensational. I don't want to be dramatic, but the reality is the prayers of the righteous, the Bible tells me, the prayers of those who are in Christ Jesus have the power to shake this earth. 
The prayers of the righteous, the prayers of those that are grafted into Jesus Christ, the prayers of those that understand that I have the right to come boldly into the throne room of grace, that I have the right as the son of daughter to storm the gates of hell. Those that understand they're the the, the, the prayers of the fervent, the prayers of the righteous, the Bible tells us, availeth much. They have the power to shake this earth. The prayers of the righteous have the power to move heaven on their behalf and hell out of the way. And there's some people in the house of God that need to get hell moved out of their way. And they need heaven to move on their behalf. And the only thing that's lacking in their life is prayer. So, Lord, teach us. To pray. It's the very reason this unnamed disciple asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Because prayer above everything has the power to move heaven and the power to move earth. I'm going to ask them to start coming to the music so I can wind this down again. This is just an intro. The reality is, church, Satan laughs at our toiling. He mocks at our wisdom. He's entertained by all of our empty efforts concerning the the difficulties and the things that we encounter in life. But the reality is he trembles when we pray. He trembles when we pray because he knows that if we, God's people, who are called by his name, would humble themselves and pray that God is going to hear them, and that God is going to respond. There's only one thing that causes the devil to tremble, and that's a praying people. Because the devil understands that prayer is what moves God. The devil understands that prayer is what moves hell. The devil understands that prayer is what rents that veil and gives me access to God. The devil understands that the kingdom of darkness will be defeated by that individual that calls in on, on the kingdom of light through this thing called prayer. The devil laughs at all of our toilings. He's entertained by all of our human efforts trying to fix this and fix that. Oh, and we wear ourselves out in the process when all we have to do is stop in the middle of the mess. Stop your toiling, Jesus said. Stop the fretting and know that I'm God. Know that I'm God. I'm Jehovah Rapha, the one that heals you. I'm Jehovah Jireh, the one that provides for you. And if you could just learn to be still and know that, and come to me boldly in prayer, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, O God. That should be our heart's desire. Teach us to pray. Because if we could learn how to pray, church, just imagine what could happen. Here's where I'm going. i got just a couple minutes. This disciple's sole desire was teach us to pray. And Jesus did. Jesus taught him. 
That's how good God is. He didn't say, what do you mean? You don't know how to pray? Been following me around for this long. Think you should know how to pray by now. You've watched me. You've heard me. That's not the kind of God we serve. We ask, and He gives. We knock, and He opens. We seek. He lets us find. This disciple said, teach me to pray. And Jesus said, yeah, okay. I'll teach you. And He introduces the passage, says a few things that I'll get into next time. But then He says this. He says, when you pray, pray then like this. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen, he says. And I know that most of us probably know this prayer by heart. It's probably the most commonly prayed prayer in all of Christianity. But before we even begin to break this down in the coming weeks, we need to understand that Jesus' prayer was far more than poetry. It was powerful and it was potent. And the truths that are hiding within those words can empower us to pray in a way that we've never prayed before. And that's what I am asking the Holy Spirit to help teach us. Jesus wasn't just teaching the disciples a bunch of pretty empty words. He was teaching the disciples how to open up the heavens, to connect with the Father through this spiritual discipline called prayer. He was teaching them that there is a place where the Spirit descends. He's teaching them that there is a place where miracles happen teaching them that there is a place where God makes a way where there is no way, and that is the place of prayer. You've all experienced it. Things happen in a place of prayer that can't happen anywhere else, church. So understand, Jesus isn't inviting us to simply recite poetry here. He's, in, he's, he's inviting us to experience the power of God in our lives through this spiritual discipline of prayer. A place where God hears us, a place where God helps us, and a place where God heals us. Amen? How many of you want to learn how to pray? Amen? If you stand to your feet tonight, amen, go ahead. You can clap, you can whatever you want. That's not for my glory, it's for God's.